Well, good morning. How are we? That was, I don't know about you, but I had fun up here. That was an awesome time of worship this morning. I just sensed the presence of God, and I know with what he's laid on my heart today that that means that someone's going to be delivered from something today. Uh, whether it's an outward manifestation or something that God just does in your heart, I believe that someone's leaving changed here today, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, my name is Joey. I'm the lead pastor here for those of you that are new. Uh, inside your worship guide, there is a connection card. And for those of you that call Vertical Life Church home, I uh, would like you to utilize that. Inside, you'll have a place for notes and then also uh, next steps. If you make a decision uh, in, the, in the worship experience today to follow the Lord or to take a step of faith, we would like to know about that as your leadership so we can be in prayer for you and then come alongside of you. Uh, as, a, as a help in, in your spiritual journey. But as well, as that if uh, as Jason is going through these announcements, if you are having a hard time staying up to date, uh, we have an online community, like our own miniature version of Facebook. You can uh, get to it by going to our website, vlchurch.tv, and at the bottom of the main page, there's a login uh, section. If you choose to request a login, you can be granted access to our community page, and then be added to our email list. And Kevin sends out a, a, a weekly or monthly email giving all the announcements so you can stay up to date and engaged and connected. Because I know that many of you do serve in other areas and that will allow you to you know, stay up to date with what's going on in our church as well as when we have ministries like My Brother's Keeper and others and their specific needs for like food donations and such. We, uh, we communicate a lot that way. So if you're not a part of our online community or on that email list, I encourage you to uh, fill out that card, list your information there, drop it by the uh, VIP table on your way out today, and we'll get you connected. Now, we're going to continue in our, <clears throat> excuse me, in our series, Confessions of a Sinner. Uh, it's our study in the Gospel of Matthew. We are in Matthew chapter 26 today. So if you have your Bible with you, you can uh, turn there, navigate there, or follow along. The verses will also be on the screen. And we are just going to jump in because God's Word is more interesting than me. Here we go. Matthew chapter 26, verse 1. Uh, now we're in the last, kind of the last hours of Christ's life that we're beginning the, the process, heading towards the crucifixion. And uh, verse 1, it says, When Jesus had finished saying all of these things, he said to his disciples, As you know, Passover begins in two days, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. At the same time, the leading priests and elders were meeting at the residence of Caiaphas, the high priest plotting how to capture Jesus secretly and kill him, but not during the Passover celebration. They agreed, or the people may riot. Verse 6, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. I love this. Notice it said previously had leprosy. Because when you encounter Jesus Christ, what you were is not necessarily determining what you will become. There is freedom in Christ. When you encounter Christ in a real way, you are not the same as you once were. And this is just evidence of how Jesus has a habit of changing lives. Can I get an amen today in this place? All right. So they're meeting together. Verse 7, while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. It's kind of weird. Uh, verse 8, the disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of all this, replied, Why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. 
She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. This prophecy is fulfilled today because we're talking about the woman and the alabaster box. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Holy Spirit, we've invited you here. Jesus, we've come and gathered in your name, and so we know that you are here. God, we give our hearts and our minds to you in this place. Our attention is yours. Speak now in Jesus' name. Deliver from the enemy. Deliver from lies. Deliver from the, the baggage and bondage we brought into this place, the things we battled against day in and day out. God, speak your truth to us, and then give us the faith to respond in the name of Jesus. We pray. Amen. So as we're inching closer and closer to the final hours of Jesus' life before his, uh, before his trial and his crucifixion, there's already a plot being set to put him to death. This is where we are in the story. And then while this plot is being set, we have kind of an insignificant or a seemingly insignificant situation happen. The story with the woman. But the thing is, is that when God is involved, the insignificant becomes significant. The insignificant can truly be significant. Now, have you ever felt like your effort didn't matter all that much in things that you do? Like you show up for work and you put in 110%, and at the end of the day, it's like no one ever really noticed. You can't really see how your part, your role, actually makes an impact in the company or, or anything like that, or maybe a team you're a part of. Or how about as a parent? How you are trying so hard to stay consistently consistent. And if you're a parent of multiple children, you know how difficult that is. Right? You get done dealing with one, and you just don't want to deal with the next one. But you try to be consistent. You try to maintain that environment. You try to engage every child so that they know how deeply loved they are. But at the end of the day, with all the exhaustion in the room, it clouds your vision to see the impact that you're actually making on a long-term scale. There's so many days we may wake up and just ask a simple question, like, why do I even bother? Why do I bother cleaning my house? It's just going to get dirty. Why do I bother fighting with the kids? They're just going to fight with me again tomorrow. Why do I bother working on my marriage? They're just going to let me down again and again and again and again and again. We ask the question, why bother? We're imperfect people. We're sinners. We make mistakes. We live this life trying to honor God, but it's a reality. Things don't always go the way we plan. Sometimes our hard work seems like it's unrewarded. And it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel in the midst of your struggle. And in the story, we see this encounter with this woman and these disciples, really a confrontation between this woman and Christ's disciples over this expensive perfume. Now, in Mark's gospel, he recounts the same story, and he tells us that the alabaster box full of perfume was worth a year's wages, a year's salary, a full year. I mean, think about that. And, and to give some background on why they were frustrated with her, the word of the Lord says this in James 1, 27. says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God and the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress, refusing to let the world corrupt you. Isaiah 1, 17 says, learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, fight 
for the rights of widows. Proverbs 14.31, those who oppress the poor insult their maker, but helping the poor honors him. Proverbs 31.9 says, yes, speak up for the poor and helpless. See that they get justice. Proverbs 19.17, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. Psalm 72, 12 says he will rescue the poor when they cry to him. He will help the oppressed who have no one to defend them. And Jesus in Matthew 25 says, and the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to the least one of these, my brothers and sisters, you have done it unto me. Time and time again, the scripture reveals the father's heart and his heart is for the poor and the helpless, the poor and the defenseless, the oppressed, that he desires to, to deliver them, to give them justice, to take care of them. And the scripture reveals to us that you cannot love the Father if you do not love what he loves. You cannot be a true disciple of Jesus Christ if there's not compassion and love for the oppressed and those in need. It's just not possible. How do you say you love him if you don't love what he loves? And so you can imagine why the disciples would be ticked off at this lady. I mean, imagine that. All the good they could have done with that money. This was a why bother situation for them. They were looking at her act and they were seeing that the, 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 the benefit did not outweigh the sacrifice. What good is it pouring this on Jesus' body? He's not dying for two days. What good is it doing this act? The benefit does not outweigh the sacrifice. The payoff was not as great as the gift. So it's no wonder they got mad at her and criticized her for wasting her possession. But the question I have in this situation is, do you think Jesus was unaware of what she was about to do? Did the Lord know how much that gift was worth? Yeah. Did Jesus know what else she could have invested that in and all the good she could have done with that? He knew exactly what she was doing. He knew exactly what that anointing was going to cost her. He knew exactly what potential it could have had to make an impact in other areas of their ministry and even in her life. And yet he let her do it anyways. And then he honored her for it. And so we see this seemingly insignificant act of kindness. And it reminds us that what may seem insignificant to others may actually be the most important thing you ever do. The disciples thought her gesture was insignificant, a waste. They saw greater potential for her perfume than what she decided to do with it. But God saw the sacrifice. Jesus knew the cost of the action, and he blessed her for it. A simple act becomes an eternal legacy. He says, wherever the gospel is preached, they're going to talk about this woman and this act. It's because when God is involved, the insignificant becomes significant and can turn into an eternal legacy. You see, dads, you may not see the impact of sacrificing. You may not see the impact of sacrificing to show up to work day in and day out giving that 110%. Moms, you may not see the impact of giving all that effort in order to raise your children. Friend, you might not see the impact of sacrificing what you could be doing otherwise to walk through a very dark and difficult time with one of your friends. You may not see it now, but guess what? God is the God who sees. God sees it now. 
And he's using our everyday sacrifices to carve out a legacy for you to leave behind. And the same is true in our walk with the Lord, our relationship with Jesus Christ. Our relationship with Jesus and the strength of our faith will help determine much of the choices that we make and the lives that we lead. And as Christians and followers of Jesus, members of his church, every one of us have been called by the Lord to be ministers. That's not just my job. It's all of our jobs to be ministers of the gospel, ministers of his love, of his compassion and justice in the world. And this anointing of perfume is a perfect illustration for a dynamic that I believe affects all of us. It's the cause of burnout and spiritual exhaustion as we walk through this life in an effort to honor the Lord. And so as we look at this anointing, we're going to discuss the internal sacrifice versus external sacrifice. The balance between taking care of others and cultivating your own spiritual relationship or personal relationship with Jesus Christ. See, even though spending time with the Lord each day, getting on your knees and praying, opening the Bible and reading, that may seem insignificant, like that anointing of perfume. Every moment with Jesus helps determine the course of your legacy. And it's actually vital to your spiritual health. Now, before I was a, a paid church staff member, I, I grew up in church, but I wasn't always on church staff. I wasn't always a pastor. Uh, and matter of fact, Tony and I, we weren't in ministry when we were first married. But even before we were in ministry, we were in ministry. We were always involved from uh, singing in the choir to being in the church orchestra to leading teen worship. We were always doing something at the church. It, it, and uh, I don't think we've ever been really the lucky ones who could just wake up on Sunday morning and show up five minutes before church. Like, we call that vacation. That's what we call that. Because that's about the only time we can wake up out of bed and just roll in to the church, right? So th this has just kind of been our life. But now on top of those basic commitments uh, of just being a Christian, we have meetings, we have programs, phone calls, we have errands to run, we've got hospital visits to make, on top of our already hectic schedule, just living a busy life. And even though I occupy this position as a pastor, I still struggle with the same things you do. I struggle with being involved sometimes and serving sometimes. Sometimes just as you get stressed and tired and overwhelmed, I get stressed and tired and overwhelmed. And sometimes I even ask the question, why bother? So what I'm doing even matter? Does God see me or even care about what I'm doing? You know, sometimes it feels like we're killing ourselves for nothing. Sometimes it feels like what we're doing is making no difference at all. Sometimes it feels like there's more struggle than celebration. And you know what? Sometimes those feelings are true. Sometimes you go a long time without seeing any victory in your life. Many of you in this room have had your fair share of defeats and very few victories. The more you're faced with struggle, the more stress and tension you feel, the less motivated, the less excited you are to serve in your commitments, to be faithful in your ministries, and even to keep up your very own personal faith. Serving becomes a burden. Being a Christian becomes a burden rather than a blessing. And I'll be honest, there have been days where I have felt like throwing in the towel, just walking away. You feel this huge weight on your chest, and you're just like, I just want relief. I want to be able to breathe. And God has used this story 
and others like it in the scriptures to remind me of something very important that's so easily overlooked, especially the busier you are and even the more involved you are in the church. He's reminding me that the power to sustain the external, all the things we do for him and on the outside comes from working on the internal. The power to keep up the faith, to hold on to hope, to see joy in the midst of struggle, to have the desire to care and to try comes from how close I am to Jesus. That's where it comes from. The times I feel exhausted are the times that I have drifted away. Now, recently, I started going back to the gym. I've always been a shape. Now I'm trying to get in shape. And, uh, and, and so it's going, it's going pretty well. Uh, but I'm heading back to the gym. And one thing I know to be true, especially on cardio days after you burn 1,000 calories on the elliptical and, and are just dripping sweat, you know, one of the things I realized is the most refreshing thing that I could do is drink a glass of ice-cold water. It's just something about ice-cold water. I mean, you're finishing your last set, and you're like, oh, that is so good. That means workout's over, and I can relax now. An article by sparklepeople.com by Dean Anderson, he states this. He says, according to the American College of Sports Medicine, Dehydration is likely to start affecting exercise performance when sweating causes you to lose 2% or more of your normal hydrated body weight. That's more than 51 ounces or a little over 3 pounds for an average person of 160 pounds. At this level of mild dehydration, you'll probably be a little thirsty, though many people don't experience thirst until they're already dehydrated. And you may start to feel as if you had to work significantly harder to maintain your performance level. As dehydration gets progressively more severe, you may start to feel lightheaded, uncoordinated, or have muscle cramps. If you continue, you may start experiencing the symptoms of heat exhaustion that can progress to heat stroke, which is potentially fatal and needs immediate medical attention. So depending on the severity of your workout and the environment in which you are exercising, the amount of sweat that you produce and the intensity of your workout, failing to stay hydrated could have very dramatic consequences. It could be detrimental to your health. Now, I've always had a problem with sweating. You know, uh, I think God, just for a good laugh, put a baby Niagara Falls in my body somewhere. But, but I, I mean, I, I would sweat when I'm nervous. I sweat when I lead worship. You know, it just all, I mean, it just happens. I have exhausted every form of antiperspirant, even the clinical stuff, to no avail. So I've just basically come to the conclusion I'm just gross. So that, that's just uh, for me. Uh, and so when I, especially when I exercise, I mean, it is a downpour. And uh, my wife makes fun of me because I wear a do-rag just to keep the sweat out of my eyes. But uh, it's essential for me to grab a drink during the process of my workout. I just, I just sweat so much. Because if I don't, my workout suffers. I don't feel as strong as I normally would. I don't have as much energy as I normally would have. And when my workout's over, sometimes I don't feel good at all. I feel sick. And the same is true for our Christian life. For our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it's work. We work so hard to honor God in what we do. I mean, just trying to have a good attitude throughout the day is a difficult process for many of us. And then to come and serve tirelessly in his church, to get here early, to stay late, to reach out to your communities and help people that don't even really want your help, all the while trying to honor him in the way you raise your family, lead your family, and other aspects of your life, it can be hard work. And when we don't stay spiritually hydrated, Everything begins to suffer. 
our outlook on our lives, our relationships, even our physical health can begin to break down because of spiritual dehydration. And the problem with many of us, and myself included, is that we wake up each day dehydrated. We wake up each day already with a spiritual deficit, and we don't even realize it, which makes it harder and even more destructive for us to face the challenges of each new day. And the longer we go without a drink, the worse that it gets. There's a story about Jesus encountering a woman at the well, and he told this woman, if you would drink from this well, you would never thirst again because the well contains living water. And Jesus tells us in John 7, 38, he says, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water flow from my heart. This is an invitation to his followers, to people that believe because Jesus is the source of our spiritual hydration. He is the wellspring of life. He is the river of living water. He is the source. And I cannot stay spiritually hydrated unless I drink from the river. I have a big old gulp from the wellspring of life. But drinking from the well doesn't just happen. Right? This life of faith is not like an IV drip. You don't get saved, the IV goes in, and you just get constant flow from God. No, it's more like sucking a straw uh, and trying to get a thick malted shake up the straw. You know what I'm talking about? You put the shake, you start sucking so hard, you get the fish face. You, you know, and nothing comes up. It's like you get like a, a, a barely a taste, and you kind of have to pinch the straw while you suck. You're like, have to get all strategic on how you're going to get it up there. But finally, once it starts to flow, then, then you can kind of get some. And then you have to go take a nap because you're so exhausted after that. But, but, but you know what I'm saying? It's more like that. It's hard work. It takes determination. You have to be intentional. You have to be consistent and dedicated to the cause. It takes a conscious decision to be still before the Lord. It takes an investment. It takes some sacrifice to be close to God. Matthew 26.10 says, Jesus, aware of this, replied, Why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. This verse shot out at me this week. See, here Jesus is revealing a truth about the difference between working for the Lord and being with the Lord. The difference between intimacy with God and service to God. The difference between a personal relationship and acts of religious faith. See, and he says, in other words, you will always have ministry to do. You will always have an opportunity to serve. There's always more that can be done. There are always more chores at home. There are always more opportunities for overtime at work. There are always more new shows coming out that are going to be the latest hit. There are always new movies coming out. There are always more after-school clubs to get your kids involved in. There are always more sports registrations and, and, and game nights to have. There are always will be and forever will be more options available to you to invest in rather than investing in a relationship with me. And I believe the perfume in this story, say perfume, just making sure you're tracking with me. The perfume in this story, I believe, represents something very important to our lives. It represents what matters most to all of us because it affects every aspect of our life. I believe the perfume represents our time. Our time. 
This perfume in the alabaster box was worth a full year's wages. In other words, this woman gave God a year in just a moment. It was no insignificant sacrifice. There was a lot of hard work, dedication into acquiring such a gift. And the value of that gift for many was priceless. And so it is with our time. Time is priceless. Once it's spent, there's no getting it back. There's no refund policy on how you spend your time. And we only are given so much at our disposal from the moment we're born. So the question isn't, are we going to spend the the perfume? Because we're going to spend it. It's going to get spent. The question is, is how are we going to spend our perfume? How are you going to spend the most important aspect or parts of your life? How are you going to spend your time? Is it going to be spent on what carves out a godly legacy? Or is it going to be spent on something that will come and go? Because that too will carve out a legacy, but maybe one that won't be remembered. See, the disciples were angry with her in her decision to spend this perfume on the Lord And that's why they criticized her. And as I was thinking about this week, God spoke to me, and this is what he said. He said, people will criticize what they cannot control. People will criticize what they cannot control. See, when it comes to our stuff and the decisions we make, we don't want anybody to say nothing about it. Don't judge me. Don't don't come against me. Don't, Don't criticize me. But the minute someone does something we don't agree with, we don't like, or something we would do differently, what happens? We automatically have something to say, right? This is just the human nature. This is the way it is. And some of you I know are thinking right now of that one relative. Their voice is echoing in your mind. Why did you do it that way? All right, that was dumb, you know. You know what I'm saying? We all have people like this because we do that. We criticize what we cannot control. And so many times we let the criticisms of people or what we think they might say to criticize us determine the choices that we make. Well, they won't think well of me if I choose, fill in the blank. They won't think well of me if I choose to not go to work and be a stay-at-home mom. They may not think good of me if I choose to go into full-time ministry instead of work a career job making thousands and thousands because there's no money in ministry and I'll never have a nice car or a nice house. There's no security in that. We let the perceived criticisms or the criticisms of those in our lives help determine the choices that we make. Oh, if I don't let my kids sign up for that sport, they'll hate me. But Jesus said, there always will be time for that. And while you're focusing on all those things, you may miss out on time with me. Because it's only when you're with me that you'll get to drink from the well, from the river of living water. In other words, don't waste your time on good things if it means neglecting the best thing. We give of ourselves and our time all day long from the moment we wake up. And at the end of the day, what do we have left for Jesus? A quick prayer over meals and before bed? And what good is that? What good does that do? See, our church is called Vertical Life Church For a reason, a vertical life begins with investing in your personal relationship with God first and foremost. And so that what manifests outwardly is a result from what God is doing 
inwardly. And when God is doing something on the inside, what comes out on the outside will not only be genuine and meaningful, but it will be powerful. Growing closer to Jesus ensures a spirit-filled life. And being filled with the spirit means walking in power that overcomes your sinful desires. Walking in power that overcomes the schemes of the enemy. Walking in power that overcomes trials and tribulations and keeps you praising on the other side. But if you neglect the interior only to display the exterior, you will find yourself to be a religious person who doesn't know the intimate presence of Almighty God. His presence is where mercy, grace, love, and joy are experienced. It's in His presence where hope is found. And you know, honestly, that's why we love coming to church. That's why we love gathering for worship, because it's easy for one to two hours a week to push everything else aside and just focus on the presence of God. But if all you do is work tirelessly and don't rehydrate, you're going to burnout. You're going to lose hope and faith, and you may even have a spiritual heart attack because of spiritual dehydration. Jesus said the poor are always around. There's always somebody else to help. Those opportunities are easy to find. Just open your eyes and look around, but it takes a tireless pursuit of God to maintain that sense of nearness, awe, and wonder. God's spirit is near to us because his presence is all around, but we are not always aware of his presence. We have to intentionally engage to sense his presence. And it's in those times where he feels so far away that it's hard to trust him. It makes difficult seasons feel more difficult and our weakness feel even more weak. The core concept of the message today is this, is that if you miss the intimate moments with the Lord, you'll be lacking the fuel that empowers your faith. If you miss those intimate moments with the Lord, you will lack the fuel that empowers your faith because it's in those intimate moments with Jesus that you're reminded why I do what I do, that I have hope that his plans for me are good, that I'm going to make it, that God will take what's wrong in my life and turn it around for my good. We just sang that promise in Romans 8, 28, that God will turn everything around together for my good. We go through these situations, and so many times we feel like, oh, it's never going to get any better. Oh, why do I even try? And God's saying, look, just trust me, just follow me, because the turnaround is coming. But we're so spiritually dehydrated, we can't see the truth behind the lies of the enemy. For us in this technological age where we have easy access to more information than we could possibly imagine, we live in a microwave society with this minute rice mentality. Patience is few and silence is even uncomfortable. Just to be quiet with nothing, no noise, no TV on, no radio on. Just getting quiet before the Lord has become so uncomfortable. See, it's going to take sacrifice to say no to some good things in order to say yes to the best thing. And when you say yes to the best, it hydrates your soul and empowers your faith. Without making those internal investments, without strengthening your walk with the Lord and being intentional about staying close to him, you will find yourself believing more lies than truth and lack the strength to continue to do what's right and best for your life. James chapter 4, verse 8, the brother of Jesus says this. Speaking for God, he says, Come close to God, 
and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And far too often, we are chasing the world, a world we will never catch. And God says, you don't have to run after me because I'm here. I'm near. I'm close. And you can have as much of me as you want. Two things quickly that you can do to say yes to the best this week. Number one is prioritize your time with God. Don't just try to fit it in somewhere. Prioritize your time with God. Psalm 63, 1, David said, Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. I hate that part of that verse. I am not a morning person. I, I'm like a zombie in the morning. You don't want to talk to me. My attitude is as wicked as it could possibly be. I'm like the devil when I first wake up. It takes me about 8 or 9 o'clock to get saved again. But here David said, early will I sneak thee. Why? Because if you put it off, guess what happens through the day? It gets filled up with busyness, with activity, with drama. You know, when I started working out, I was working out at night. And so basically I would go to work in the morning, work till 5, come home long enough to eat dinner, and then I would go work out for a couple hours. By the time I got back, my kids were already in bed, and I had very little time to see my wife. How great of a relationship is that? Not at all. I had to change some things. So now I wake up at 4.45 in the morning and try to drag myself out of bed to get to the gym. Right here, that's what David is saying. He's like, do what you got to do. He's like, early will I seek thee. Why? Because if I do it later, it's not going to get done. I'm going to seek thee in the morning. Why? Because my soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. This world has nothing for you to drink. Jesus is the well of living water. And if it takes getting up early to drink from the well, then get up early and drink from the well. Sunday service is not enough. You need to stay spiritually hydrated each and every day because your soul longs to commune with God. You will feel weary in your spirit when you're becoming spiritually dehydrated. You'll start to lose strength. You'll start to lose faith. And your soul gets drained through the events of the day, through different difficult seasons of life. That's why we need to take time each and every day to drink from the well. The longer you go without living water, the more spiritually sick you become. You need to learn to say no. How do you prioritize? Well, you say no to some things. You put some things in a more prominent place. Your time with God should be protected. It's the most valuable time of the day. If you're too busy and too tired to spend time with God, you have too much going on in your life. It's time to say no to some things, to make some sacrifices you need to make to ensure that you remain close to the Lord. Spend your perfume on what's most important. And I think about what Jesus said to the disciples. He said, you don't constantly need to give yourself to the poor. You don't need to constantly be serving, to be running errands, to be doing all this for other people. You don't need to do all these things, but you do need to spend time with me because that time is precious. That time is is precious. We need to prioritize our time with God. Say no to some good things so you can say yes to the best thing. Number two, when you commune with God, connect with God. It's easy just to get it done and get through it. 
You see, it's not about, in, in this quiet time, this time with God, it's not about reading your Bible, singing or praying or speaking words into the air. It's about giving God your heart while you read the Bible, while you pray, while you worship. When you pray, pray with all the emotion and conviction you can muster, and then listen in anticipation for a response. God will speak. When you worship, let your heart feel the passion and emotion behind the messages you're singing, and even sing a new song. I don't know if you have read the Psalms all the way through, but some of the Psalms are songs of David, and it's just like he just started ranting and put it to music. It's like this incoherent rant, God, we love you, but kill all these people, crush their enemies, and throw their kids into the fire. But praise you, God, we'll live with you forever in Jesus' name. And he, and he put a melody to that. You know, you sing a new song. Let what's in your heart flow out to God. Music is said to be the sound that the soul makes. So let your soul sing. God doesn't care how well you sing. He just cares that you mean what you sing. And that your songs are songs of faith and truth. When you read his word, meditate on what you read. Don't read 50 chapters if you won't remember what you read. Read and just meditate on what is read and let the Holy Spirit begin to lead you into truth. Ask him to speak to your heart and reveal what his word is meant for you that day. God wants your heart to be engaged in everything you do. So don't waste your time just getting through it so you can say you did it. There's nothing good about that. Psalm 46, verse 10, psalmist says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God, and I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. It's not just about being still before him. It's about being still and meditating on the truth. Who is it that you are still before? You are still before the God of the universe. Here God is saying in Psalm 46.10, slow your roll a second. Slow it down. Slow your mind. Take a second to really analyze what you're doing and who you're with. You are the, with the Lord of heaven and earth, the one in which nothing is impossible. That concept ought to blow your freaking mind. You are the God of the universe. Slow your mind down. Nothing's more important than who you're with in that moment. Let your body relax. Let yourself breathe. There's great relief in just breathing. Stress is released with the breath. You exhale out your stress and inhale the presence of God when you are still before him. Make yourself comfortable because it's hard to hear God when you're stressed out or focused on so many other things. If your quiet time has a time limit, it's going to be hard to connect with God. Get to a quiet place like a prayer closet or a room no one uses. Hop in your car and drive to the, the park and just get alone. Remove distraction so your heart can connect as you commune. As the father of four children, I understand the sacrifice it is to make sure that you have time to be alone with the Lord, but that sacrifice is worth it. Just as the woman with the alabaster box said, this sacrifice is worth this moment with Jesus, your sacrifice of time and your priorities in your life is worth your time 
with Jesus. If we as a church spend our perfume on what matters most, if we prioritize our time with God, connect when we commune, we will find rest to recharge our souls and strengthen our hearts to face the battles each and every day. The battle's going to come. You're gonna leave this place and enter the battlefield. The battle is going to come. And you need to connect with God to make sure you are strengthened to face those battles. Don't lose faith trying to serve the Lord. Don't become spiritually dehydrated trying to serve him and, and, and dedicate your life to him. What good is it if you serve him but burn out from dehydration of the spirit? Make sure you're staying hydrated. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Jesus says this. And we close. He says, come to me. All of you who are weary, this is an invitation today, church. This is Jesus speaking to you. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. This is a promise that you come to me with your burdens, and I will take the load off of your shoulders. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. Come to me. Some of you here today have been carrying heavy burdens for far too long. And today is the day you release it to the Lord. And finally take a drink of living water as you rehydrate your soul. Let's bow our heads in this place today. For the next few moments, we're just going to open this time to respond to God and open our service for prayer. And I'm just going to invite you. You know who you are. You know what you've been struggling with. You know you need to come drink from the well. I'm going to uh, make this first row of seats just a symbolic altar before the Lord. And right now where you are, I'm going to invite you just to stand to your feet and come on down and respond to God and kneel before him. Lay your burdens at his feet. As you kneel down, we're going to symbolically believe that you are kneeling down to lay your burdens at his feet. And when you're done praying with the Lord, when you're done uh, just communing with him for the next few moments, you're going to rise up free from those burdens with new faith, with new hope, and new strength. And so for the next little bit, church, you come now and you respond. Those of you that need to commune with God, that you need to come before the Lord, now is the time. Come on down. Father in heaven. I just pray for the church. God, I pray for those who are battling. I pray for those who are heavy laden, God. Their hearts are heavy. God, I pray now that they would respond and they would just release that to you, that they drink from the well. God, that they would realize that this sacrifice is worth the moment with you and that you desire to free them from all of the things that they've been carrying on their shoulders. God, you don't desire anyone walk heavy burden. You don't desire anyone walk with guilt and with shame and with depression, God. You don't desire that anyone be plagued with, with a critical spirit or the, the, the voices of those that have been critical in their lives, God. You don't, you don't desire that anyone walk through these doors and leave this place not being free in the name of Jesus. So God, I just pray freedom in this place. And for the next few moments, God, I ask your spirit to work and move in Jesus' name.